I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Set up, Dom. The microphone is here and then the iPad and then that. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to focus right here. That yeah. literally says live on it. It's a light I can switch on and off that says live on it. But right now you can't see it because uh, it's on. <laughs> My camera won't pick it up. Yeah, and it's bright. It's bright. Well, for those of you at home who can't see, Dom has the most amazing setup. He's got it all tricked out. He's and got a light. Setup. He's got gadgets. And I'm still sitting on my bedroom floor, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Is it working? I don't know. Okay, great. Well, I think so. It's working. I think we're it's good. It's working. You sound great. Your setup's great. Delightful. And you know what else is great? Mm. This next episode. So we left off at the yeah. end of episode nine with Meliorn saying, I can take, I can lead you to your father mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. return for Clary saving his life. Mm-hmm. Great. Gotta love a life debt in the shadow world, you know? Oh, it's man. really, really I'm useful. so excited for this episode. Like, I remember filming it and <laughs> I remember reading it and being like, wow, this is, this is like yeah. nuts. I'm so excited about it. It's so much fun. Um, Kat, give us the, uh, give us the lowdown. All right. Here are the stats or the deets, as it were. Is that what the kids say for this episode? Uh, uh, season one, episode 10. 
This World Inverted. It originally aired on March 15th, 2016. Wild. Mm. Was written by Shireen Rezak and directed by J. Miles Dale. Amazing. Who's, I believe, our first repeat director, given that he was our producing director for season one. Didn't he do 13 as well? Yeah, oh, yeah. He did three because he did seven, right. he did 10, and he did 13 because he was our producing director for the first season. That's and it you know, right. stars all of us. Mm-hmm. Catherine McNamara, Dom Sherwood, Alberto Rosende, Matthew Daddario, Emerald Tobia, Isaiah Mustafa, Harry Shim Jr., and guest starring Alan Van Sprang, Adam J. Harrington, Maxime Roy, John Corr, Stephanie Bennett, and Jade Hasune. Some of our absolute faves. And also, Ray is in it. He is? Yeah, Raj is, is a Raj. jerk in both universes in this uh in Oh, this that's right. Yes, he is. <laughs> He's not he, quite uh, poor Raj yet. He is. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, no, I guess not. I guess it got to poor Raj in season two. We had like a whole thing going around yeah. with like, oh, poor Raj. Like he just gets shit on by the Shadowhunters all the time and then eventually mm-hmm. like thrown into walls and all kinds of craziness, poor dude. But that is for later episodes. But it makes sense why, you know, he gets so much thrown at him in future seasons because in season one, he's kind of a jerk sometimes. I mean, kind of. Like, doesn't he literally say, he literally says at one point, I think to me, I think he says, come on, Wayland, I'm just following the rules. And he is. Like, we're we're the ones that don't follow the rules. (laughs) Like, we're the ones who just, like, and then we take it out on him like he's done something wrong. Poor Raj. Like, this is where it starts. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, we're just biased. So tell us what this episode's about. The logline for this episode. A different world holds the key to finding Valentine. Clary finds herself in a strange reality. Clary and Jace get a tip from Melion that they can find Valentine by locating a portal in another dimension, but only Clary can venture into this new world. What Clary finds in this alternative universe is that life there is as if demons no longer existed and shadow hunters were no longer needed. While she realizes that in this dimension is the life she always dreamed of, Clary must act fast or she will lose herself in this alternate world forever. Meanwhile, Alec and Isabel must face the consequences of the downworlder attack. Heavy stuff. That's a massive understatement for what happens in this episode. It is. <laughs> it is. And this episode was shot... Uh, in August into September of 2015, which is, Crucial. again, wild. Unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, remember how hot this was? Mm-hmm. And also, this episode was a technically a crossover promotion for Disney's Alice Through the Looking Glass film because it coincided with the release, which was really fun for us. This is something that we got to do a lot working for Freeform is that we were able to do a lot of cross-promotion with things like Through the Looking Glass and Star Wars and The Mummy and you know all of these other properties that made it really a lot of fun. Agreed. I just watched, you were talking about all these different names and Maxim's name came up. I just watched this movie, Moonfall. Have you seen that with Patrick Wilson? No. Is that his name? Patrick Wilson and the kid from Game of Thrones and He's Halle great. Berry. I think those are the three people. I was quite drunk while I was watching it. I'm going to look this up. <laughs> um, but I was. it was one of those, yeah, Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, and John Bradley. Yes, I got those all correct. Amazing. Good me. Um, but I was like, I was watching through it. And it's interesting when you, when after having spent so much time in Toronto, you can sort of pick these movies where it's like, oh, that was filmed in Toronto for sure. Because you start recognizing yeah. the locations yeah. almost always. If you mm-hmm. film in Toronto, they're going to film in the Hearn. And then Maxim was in it. Maxim was one of the yeah. soldiers in it. And then also the guy 
who betrays us in like the Inquisitor who betrays us in season three is also in it. And I recognized as like, he has those steely blue eyes. I recognize those. And I was like, oh yeah, they, they got this one done in Toronto for sure. I love that. Anyway. It's usually when you recognize, you know, a stunt performer or the Hearn or something else. It's like when uh, Shazam is another one. Where we're just watching, and then suddenly they're in the Hearn, and I'm going. I think oh, I spy. I remember like oh. speaking to Zach when he first got to Toronto, and he was talking about like, yeah, yeah, we're going to shoot in this place. It's like the Hearn, and I was like, ooh, good luck. Ooh. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, we were all. I, I told I told him the same thing. I was like, uh, enjoy. Yeah, it's stay not warm ideal. Layer. It's not ideal, but it looks amazing on camera, and it's always worth it. But that's for a future episode. Agreed. Episode ten. I'm wondering. We don't go to the Hearn in this episode. It's the next episode we go no, to No, we Hearn. do not. That's 11. Got yes. it. A lot of this was done on location, which was quite cool. We got to spend a lot of days, like all yeah. of us as a group, out on in that park. Like that park where the coffee thing is, the coffee place, the Java Jones. Java J. Java, Java what is it? Java Jace. Well, it's originally Java Jones, but in this episode, it was it's originally. Java Jace. In this episode, it's Java Jace. The fun irony of that is, I once was a barista whilst supporting my budding acting career. Um, I made a coffee machine. If you didn't know this, they're they're actually I love this story. <laughs> not that simple to work, and I don't know if they they might have updated them since then, <laughs> since my colossal fuck up. Um, but basically, the handles that you put into them. The, uh, the coffee holding handles. At the end of the day, you put one in that doesn't have any holes in it and it forces the water back through the machine and it cleans the entire machine out. So I was responsible for doing that one night and I did it, turned the machine on and then just forgot that I'd done that and went home and the machine exploded. Um, so it, I, we turned up the next day and nothing would work and I got very promptly fired from that job. So this is the second time and definitely the more successful time that I got to be a barista. Well, I am so glad that this time went better than your original attempt. They didn't at- let me make any actual coffee. Ah, uh, very well, there smart you go. of them. They didn't let me make any actual coffee. There it was go. all props. Well, another thing that is all smoke and mirrors. This episode opens with I'm going to tell you two words: snow candle. Yeah, I was. I literally have this image in front of me. It's <laughs> my iPad is up here, so it is snow candles, right? And yeah. I thought, yeah that there was a ruling or maybe it was season two that this ruling came in. Um, but I thought you weren't allowed to use snow candles. Okay. If you type in snow candles, nothing comes up. So. Well, when we were on set that day, I just have this very distinct memory of them giving us this big warning and being like, don't make sure this stays away from your eyes. Don't touch it. It looks great. And it's totally safe to use, but just like try not to get it in your, you know, facial orifices or like on your skin. And so everybody's yeah. like, okay, okay, okay. And then they call action and we're walking through it. And it's like in our eyelashes and all these things. So snow candles, are, uh, I guess, almost like tightly wound like paper that they light on one side. And out of the end of it come these sort of white like embers, these white like pieces. I don't know yeah. exactly what they're made of, but this is this first shot where floaty Jay Cat and myself, floaty fluff. Yeah, this floaty fluff that is meant to look sort of like ethereal sunny snow is actually like burning stuff that you're not supposed to breathe in or touch. And if you look, I literally have the image in front of me. I'm going to screenshot it and maybe I'll post it that day. It's literally, we're covered in it. Oh yeah. It's this and the (laughs) pussy willows are arguably the worst days I ever had on set, including the days I lost a tooth and broke my ankle. (laughs) Bad times. I mean, 
but that forest is absolutely beautiful. It's absolutely it stunning. It's fantastic. And I have such fond memories of shooting this because, you know, as so what people may not know about shooting is you'll shoot things out of order based on location. It's often mm-hmm. by who's on set, who's around, and my location so you can maximize your time most effectively. So all of the stuff that we did in this forest, all of Jade's monologues and your guys' fight scene, everything that happened was all in this one day in the woods. Um, and mm-hmm. we had to get all of the stuff. We had to block it and plan it out and figure out where in the woods we were, having never been there before, where we could put the cameras that they could actually move and be safe to function. Uh, and we did, we thank goodness for our crew because we were able to get it all done. But I have such fond memories of this day. Yeah. the I That's so interesting. I like remember starting this day with trepidation because like the crew, this Torontonian crew who are used to like the the wilderness in Toronto, like you want to know about the wilderness here in England? I'm your guy. I know everything. But Toronto, zero. So they turn up and they're like duct taping their their pant legs to their boots. And I'm like, <laughs> what's going on here? This doesn't look good. And they're like, oh, it's tick season. And I'm like, lovely. Right. What about Dom and Jade and the stunt teams who are going to be like on their back throughout all of this? Like, And they're just like, go home, get naked check everywhere. Yeah. I was like, okay. And I did. Every crevice. I it was a tricky hour for me because there are some parts of your body that when that you're you're not designed to look in. Mm-hmm. And I had to. I because I was like I mentally convinced myself that I was covered in ticks. Um <laughs> but I wasn't. So everything was good. It worked well, out well. Man. But it was a buggy day. I remember yeah. it being a buggy a buggy environment. It was August. I mean August in Toronto is just buggy anyway. But, uh, you know, that's, that's skater season. But thank goodness we weren't really near water, from what I remember. Who knows? I don't think so, no. But, I mean, we must have been near some water. We were in a forest. Yeah. Well, hey, enough about bugs. Let's talk about the episode. <laughs> enough about bugs. More about where we are currently. So we, beautiful scene. Then Alec and Izzy have a fight. Oh, there's Raj. Wait, tell me, before we before we jump too far... The big, the big door that we're using in to, as the portal is that not the same big door mm-hmm. that was Magnus's big door in episode one? Isn't it just like the backside of it? Sure or something? is, and it was redressed. That's what I thought. And also, I think was used in the movie. I'm like ninety percent sure yes. it was used in the movie at some. It point. was used in the movie. I remember that. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. It looks. It it has the aesthetic of the film, so it would not surprise it was. me. It was, I'm pretty sure, from the film. And because this was the fun thing, like we, there were a few props that we used in the film and in the movie. Like I even think our serif blades originally were were mm-hmm. Jamie's because, and they redressed them to look like that because Constantine, who owns the rights to the books, may, had, they owned the rights to the books when they made the movie. So it was, they own all of these props, all of this stuff. So they just brought a bunch of it back, which I thought was cool. Which is great. And we used it for season one, but, you know, we quickly found that when you're using them over months and months and months, they don't quite, some of them don't quite hold up in the same way. And our our needs were quite different than the film. So we had an amazing props team that redesigned certain things. But so the whole reason that we're, oh, little little book tidbit. So excited when we start talking about those. Uh, There's a mention in the conversation that there are portals into the Sealy Realm from all over all over the world, they have these little hidden entrances, right? Jade, you and Jade kind of mentioned that mm-hmm. as Clary's going, whoa, what's going on? I don't know. I'm lost. Help me. Not in Kansas anymore. Right. Um, 
And this, I believe, is meant to be the Central Park entrance to the Sealy Realm. Cool. Um, because that's it's probably it's the most prominent one in the book. So I think this is meant to be Central Park as we're finding the entrance that into the Sealy Court. Um, or we've gone through Central Park. We into are the in New York. Court. That makes total yes. sense. Also, the whole reason that we're here is this portal shard that Jocelyn gave her and said, think of me when you wear this. And it's taken Clary a few different places. It's kind of done a few weird things throughout, you know, with Clary's dreams. Mm -hmm. And we're finally figuring out what this is. And what we discover is that it's a portal shard from another dimension. So it works differently than other portals. Normal portals, you have to have been to the place and you think of the place and it takes you there. But this portal shard takes you to a person which is why it's the key to finding Valentine. Interesting. I don't know if I knew any of that. I think that's all brand new news to me. Yeah. And the reason we have to go to the other dimension is we have to reconnect this piece with the rest of the portal in order to use it properly to find Valentine. Of course, as would have been very easily explained by a note from your mother. But there you go. (laughs) That's not how we do things in the shadow world. Well, I think it's much more entertaining to have Jade explain it in a very yeah. seely type way. Nine episodes later. You know, <clears throat> we know how reading letters goes in the shadow world. It never ends well. No, no. It's, <laughs> no, it's kind of how we finish our show. So Clary goes, yo, you owe me a life debt. So mm-hmm. you have to protect me and make sure I don't die. So when I'm ready to go through, I'm going to come back and get Jace. Grant, all well and good. Of course, yeah, which, well, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Like, this all seems, like, peaceful and elfy and lovely. This seems great. Yeah. Jace's face, Jace's face, like it's not my face, does seem concerned. Yeah. Why could that be, do we think? Well, mostly because Clary's track record, A, is not great. And uh, mm-hmm. Celie's can't lie, but they tell, tell, what is it? Twisted way? They take twisted paths to they get take, there? They take twisted paths wherever they go, I go. believe is what I said. And also, just a little, little aside, by the way, Clary, uh, as you go into this alternate dimension, just be careful to not get too caught up in it, because, you know, you could lose your entire being and consciousness and just are. meld into your alternate self. Yeah, Which Mental. makes me wonder... What would happen to Clary's body in that world? I guess her body goes into well, the dimension. Well, you're in it. You inhabit her body. But I wonder, what I do wonder is when you come back out, mm-hmm. like we messed up a bunch of stuff when we just leave this dimension. So like yeah. J- Jace, like civilian Jace has seen a demon. Magnus now knows that he can use magic. Yeah. Like there's a whole bunch of things that happened in this <laughs> that are like, that we just, we just left this dimension. We're just like, all right, see ya. You remember you saw a demon? Okay, bye. Yeah. Um, and that's it. We just like leave that there. And then the other side of that is you have memories from that. Di- you remember what happened in that mm-hmm. dimension. Mm-hmm. So does other Clary from that dimension have your memories of what happened? I don't know. But the only saving grace to all of that is in a little bit of what I think is un- is unintentional foreshadowing. Later, when we leave this dimension, Magnus seals the portal shut mm. permanently. So nothing else can come in. Which is, you know, we see that again So later. it really is, it's just Jason Clary. Yeah, and he could, you know, mess with their heads a little bit. He's, he could. Magnus knows how to take memories. He, he does that. Mm. You know, that's, that's, you know. Let's hope that happened. Yeah, yeah. So now Alec and Izzy are fighting. Alec and Izzy are fighting. We, because 
he does he know that Izzy was the one who sort of spearheaded this attack? I think he knows because he knows you. He would have felt you there. He should have, right? Well, oh, also you guys had a fist fight. So I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he knows. He he does know. And he's trying to keep her safe. Um, So he's like, I know that you did this. And she's like, I don't need protecting. And he's like, look, is there any way that Raj could have seen your involvement in any way? And he didn't because poor Raj. Mm-hmm. Because poor Raj smoke bomb. Yeah. Now we get to another one of my favorite, favorite, favorite elements of this episode, which I sort of want its own spin-off movie series of, is the Luke and Simon karate kid, I will yeah. train you and teach you how to be a downworlder series, which I really just want a montage. The wax on, wax off deal. Yeah. I would love to make like a short film of the two of them going through mm-hmm. all the trial and error of fangs. Fangs, fangs, or you know, whatever it ends the up being. Blood on the plate. Kind Dodge of deal. the daylight. Yeah. Dodge the daylight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. These two had the best chemistry. They had so much fun with each other. It's so charming, and there's such a subtle, a subtle humor to mm-hmm. the entire sort of storyline in this episode. That's it's so lovely, especially paired with all of the other you know drama that we're going through. Yeah, it's nice to have that balance <laughs> of like this like sort of cryptic, not cryptic, this sort of morbid humor um, between these mm-hmm. two. And also these two who have, the, like they're one of the few who had this like normal human relationship starting off. Like they had this sort of father-son-esque yeah. relationship at the beginning and then it just transitions into this different world, which is really lovely. And I love the good cop, bad cop with uh, Alaric as well. And his little sniff, sniff, something, <laughs> there's something dead outside. And then Simon yeah. walks through the door. Because <laughs> he sure is. And something else that I, I noticed Alberto was doing, and I, I refreshed my memory of it because he spoke a lot about this while we were shooting. He changed the way he walked. I don't know if you remember, he very distinctly changed his posture and the way he moved through space after he was a vampire. And it's it's such a subtle thing, but it's so brilliant. And it just it it's noticeable enough where you have to figure out what it is as an audience member. And it just mm-hmm. oh, it's just Alberto magic. Not a boy, Alberto. He's so good. Yeah. So now we're back going into uh about to walk into the alternate dimension. I put the Mortal Cup card in the pocket of your jacket. It's nighttime. How long did it take for him to open that door? It was daytime when we were last there and the door seemed like it was almost done. It's a heavy door. It's a big door. Um, but yes, I Jace is entrusted. He's entrusted with the most powerful thing in the world, right? Like in yeah, the shadow world. That we know world. of at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you give it to me. Hmm. I'm going to have thoughts on that later on, for sure. I'm going to have I mean, thoughts on that. You know, it's her best option at this point. Yeah, I mean, you can't give it to him and you definitely shouldn't take it through the portal, right? Which is why I have thoughts on it later on. Interesting. I Mm. will say I have a very distinct memory of saying like a silent prayer before every take that it would slip into your pocket seamlessly and not do the thing that I tend to always do when I have props. Wedge into a corner, yeah. The awkward getting stuck on things because that's just props are tricky like have you ever in your in like 
audience listeners have you ever in your day-to-day life thought like you're just doing a regular thing and you're like why doesn't it just work like it does in the movies and because the reason you feel that way is we feel that way too is because it doesn't nothing does nothing works the way it does in the movies even when you're making like a tv show or a movie it doesn't work that way you mess it up all the time and you have to like redo it again and again and again yeah but there you are there's only one time that's ever worked out for me and that was on it was on the set of Arrow. We were doing this one fight scene, and I had to end it by whisking this cape around and landing it on, it on me and walking out. And it was like 3 a.m., and I it was, we'd failed like four times. And I did it, and the hood even like landed on my head in the perfect spot. Wow. <laughs> and it was just pure luck. And the whole crew was like, yeah. I think I had one when I was doing, uh, when I was doing Billionaire's Ransom. Um, I had to fire an arrow. And it, the shot never made it into camera, but they put a little polystyrene cup for uh, for me to aim at. And I remember loosing the arrow, and it didn't hit it, but it made it move. And I was probably I was like probably a hundred <gasps> yards away, like I was far. So I even I was surprised. Yeah. So as soon as I did it and I loosed it and I saw it move, I was like, "Why?" And everyone's like, "Dude, you just ruined that take." And I'm like, "Fuck, that's right. Sorry, <laughs> I was just really stoked about it." <laughs> but you're right, I messed it up. Oh, but that's awesome though. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. So now we're in the alternate dimension, and we get happy Valentine for the first time. We do. We get fun Valentine. Which I love, because Alan Vance Bang's sense of humor is one of my favorite things on this it's planet. It's funny, isn't it? Like, he get, I feel like he gets cast as these, like, 
brooding bad guys all the time, but actually, like, he, we know him as a person, and he's such a lovely dude. And then on screen, he plays such, like, this warm, like, loving guy so well that it sort of begs the question, yeah. like, why is he constantly cast as these bad guys? <sighs> Opposites attract, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But can I just make a comment? Really, mm. Clary? Butter knife? Butter knife. That's what you're going to grab? What's around you? Let's have a look. You got kind of nothing. An entire kitchen. I mean, no, you're at the table. And it's also, it looks kind of almost like a steak knife. Like, yeah, I think you made the right choice. Oh, good. He I'm came glad. from the kitchen. <laughs> I'm glad. He was like, from a tactical position, he came from the kitchen. You had knife, fork, spoon yeah. in front of you. I would have gone with the knife. Same. I would have done the same thing. That's fair. Yeah. I think you made that's, the right that's choice. That's very true. Also, something of note in this scene, we see Jocelyn is doing art again. And so mm. in this universe, she didn't have to hide her artistry and she didn't have to hide who she really is. And that's something, that's a beautiful thing. It's sort of our first glimpse Why into- Why did she have to hide her artistry in the, in the real world? Our real world. Uh, because she was an artist in the shadow world. And that's and it, it was also the key to the Mortal Cup. So it, any sort of link to- who she was in her past life and where she came from and what her skill set is, she, she tried to bury. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, what's happening? The commercial. Can we talk about the commercial, please? Just for two There's seconds. Two two commercials, no? I think it's all strung into one. Yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah. a commercial for Magnus Bane. Oh, that's um, but right. it features oh, right. two other of our It sure does. Yeah. <laughs> it sure does. So Magnus Bane is a psychic in this world. Yes, and tarot card reader. But this is, correct me if I'm wrong, another sort of cool nod to the book fans because Luke owns his mm -hmm. bookstore, right? Which is what, that's his position in the uh, in the books, yes? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's a, he's not a cop in the books. He owns an antique bookstore. Very cool. And is in fact holding, hold on. Yeah, you're correct. I'm right, right? He's holding the book of the white. Yeah, you are. Okay, cool. Just the Book of the sure. White. He's holding he it. He is holding the Book yeah. of the White, though. Great. Oh, yeah. Got it. How fun. Wow. But we don't know what that is yet. We don't know what that is yet. No. I, if I'm honest, have sort of forgotten what it is anyways. So this is going to be an exciting couple of episodes for me because mm -hmm. I get to figure it out with everybody else. I had forgotten it, too, until I rewatched the show. And I went, oh, that's right. That's okay, right. it makes so much sense. I just totally – because when you're in the midst of shooting and there's so much flying at you – and you're shooting so many scenes at once, sometimes little things mm -hmm. of the mythology and the little reasons of why you had to go here and do this thing mm -hmm. and get this thing, it just they just go, you forget, they go poof in the night. But do we still use the Book of the White in season two? Is What is there? They, there's like a whole episode where Iris is trying to steal something from Magnus and she succeeds. Isn't that a book? That's a different, but that's his spell book? I think it is the Book of the White. Oh, it is the Book of the White. But it might be his spell book. I don't I know. remember can't remember yeah i can't we'll find remember out later. Me. we find out <laughs> later we will find out later so now we're back at the institute and mm -hmm. isabel gets arrested for high treason oh izzy no so that's that's a doozy we're in this big happy world and then it's a doozy and this is something that you, we we talked a little bit last episode about how alec is kind of caught in the middle of everything right now and being mm -hmm. pulled in a million different directions and this only exacerbates it even more you know the fact that hi my fiance who i'm not in love with but i'm trying to marry so i'm saving my family's image just arrested my sister for high treason and she could be deruined and thrown out into the world to be probably eaten by demons mm -hmm. 
not a great situation to be in. Like it's complicated, but on another level. Yeah, it's not ideal. Yeah, wow. Oh man, this is a heavy scene. Stephanie does such a good job at at messing with that duality of like, this is what I got to do. I'm sorry, but like, I don't want to do it. She does a really good job of that. Because you still like Lydia. We do like Lydia. You do like Lydia and I almost feel yeah. for her a little in episode 12. Oh, wait, I got to pause because I have just jumped into Alternate World Coffee Place. <laughs> Another fun, this is a fun, so this is a question that I've always had about vampires. So the first thing you do when yeah. you see Simon is push him out of the, the sun. She's very sweet, very protective, yeah. a little stupid because you've forgotten, like, oh, I'm in a, another world. Uh, but that's okay. But ultraviolet rays, that's not really how they work, is it? Don't they Don't they bounce? Isn't that the whole thing? They reflect? I don't know. So if it's so, daytime, standing under an umbrella isn't going to protect you from the sun. You're still going to get the, the like, somewhat UV that's bounced from everything around you, no? I don't know. If there's anyone who studies ultraviolet, could you please give us a little tweet or whatever about that? Because yeah. I don't know the answer. And I'm also not sure... I'm also not sure how the vampire lore works in our world because I don't mm. know if it's you have to be standing in direct sunlight, like in a beam of light yeah. for it to affect you or if you can kind of hide in the shade. And I, I don't know, actually. I don't have the Also, it that. has to be the sun, right, in our world because we don't use yeah. – like we never utilize ultraviolet at all in the show. So I'm assuming it has to be the actual sun, the radiation from the sun. Although – with Raphael's experiments, I don't know what he uses. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't later he? On. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because there is a form of torture that's mentioned that is, and I don't know if it's in the books or the show that it's mentioned, but there's a way that Shadowhunters have interrogated vampires, mm. as it were, using Legally. that kind of. Uh, yeah, why don't we use that more? Why isn't that just like a weapon that we have? Why? I don't understand. Doesn't make any sense. Like they accounted for the fact that we like don't use gun? guns, right? <laughs> that, yeah, right. But they—I remember yeah. in the books, the books accounted yeah. for us because they're—they're like demonic in source, I suppose, or something. Was so that it? For, well, there's certain elements have a different alignment, whether it's angelic or demonic. Like Adamus, that our swords mm -hmm. are made of, has an angelic alignment. But mm -hmm. sulfur, that a lot of gunpowder is made out of, uh, has a demonic alignment, according to the mm. books. So it really wouldn't do much of anything and, in fact, could fire back at us if it was mm. used against demons. Interesting. There you go. New news. But we just forgot about that. We, like, uh, yeah. We sure um, did. But let's talk about this. I was so in awe of everyone in this episode and mm -hmm. also a little bit envious because each one of you got to create an entirely new character Something for this so episode. Different. And you were all so brilliant. I had to try so desperately not to to corpse with Matt in his full Alec flamboyant so party planner mode. So good. And Matt and, just Matt everyone and brought Emerald. so much to these characters. Emerald, this is like You too though. I, I mean, Jace was just a little shy in this. Like, I didn't really do that much to, to sort of change. Like, you, it wasn't that different. These two had these sort of completely different mm -hmm. elements of their characters. And Emerald, there were two, two like, I mean, she's brilliant, but there were two episodes where I thought there were, like, real standout episodes for her um, that should absolutely yeah. be on her reel. And this is the first one of the two. And then we'll I'll talk to the second one as and when we get to it because it's quite a lot later on 
in this seasons. But this, I Matt and Emerald really stole the show for me in this. They were they were so fantastic at developing these completely different people who are the same people, but they were raised differently in a different world. So they have an entirely different backstory. It's such a cool concept yeah. to do with these people. Like it's still Alec. It's still Izzy. They still have yeah. the same loyalty yeah. and passion and love for the people around them. I would imagine they have the same fears and the same passions, but uh, are these completely different people on screen, which is really cool. Well, it is interesting because all that it is technically is their their responsibility as soldiers is removed. And so they sort of have this freedom to be the people that they otherwise would have been well, or yes could have no. been or, or of... aspects of themselves that they would have had the freedom to explore more easily See, that, had they not that, had I think to is be more a soldier. The thing, yeah, because it's not just about being a soldier. It's that like nature-nurture debate where they, mm-hmm. the, not just they weren't soldiers, but their parents, the Lightwoods, weren't soldiers. And the Lightwoods' parents weren't yeah. soldiers. They haven't been at war for X amount of time. So they haven't developed this sort of stringent morality where it's, this is what we need to do. The law is hard, but it is the law. Like, this is what we need to do to keep people safe. That isn't the case. In fact, the right. hardest thing that he has to deal with right, right now is planning the best party of the year. Yeah, which exactly. Th- it's, it develops a different, you know, a different person because we're given different stimulus, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It sort of begs the question, who would any of us be? Were we raised on the other side of our coins? We don't know. Um, but we also in this scene get our first glimpse at Clary starting to get lost in this mm-hmm. world. And that's sort of, we see these elements of the camera going out of focus as she and Jace are making out and she kind of loses focus literally and mm-hmm. uh, has to very awkwardly and doesn't handle it very well. It's like, could you just... A little tact, a little mm-hmm. tact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little, a little, a little more would have been <laughs> would have been pleasant. Yeah, just a little yeah. more. Like, I can explain. I'm sorry. I will later. Anything, like, just anything, except for just like, anything. see ya. I'm gone. And just Jace, like, ah, okay, yeah, oh, that's great. I that's nice. well done. It was. This was actually one of my favorite things. I just saw the shot. This is so interesting that one of the most difficult things, I remember this note coming through in episode one, they they cut the sides and the back of my hair really short and then the rest of it was still quite long. And then we got this note from the producers at the, like when we were done with episode one, they were like, when, he, when he's fighting, his hair's in front of his face and we don't ever want his hair to be in front of his face. We always want it back. So I went through this process for like, the eight months that we were filming season one where they would like spray it and pin it all back. Cause this is the haircut we had now it was established. So it was all like, it was all sort of forced into place. It was really uncomfortable and it wouldn't move correctly. And then this was the first episode where they were like, Oh, you can do whatever you want with your hair. And I was like, don't touch it. Just let it, just let it do its thing. I'm so happy that I don't have to be like spray hair sprayed up the wazoo to keep this like absolutely firmly in place. So it looks like a helmet. So I actually got to have, like normal looking hair in this, which is kind of cool for me. And it looks fantastic. Your Thanks luscious locks got to shine. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will have to say, speaking of luscious locks, in the so, so the lighting for our show is particularly dark for the most mm. part until we get into this world. And then the alternate universe is very bright and colored and warm and vibrant and the saturation yeah. is turned up. My hair looks so orange. It's very orange. In the alternate it's very, universe. very, very orange. Yeah, it it's very bright. so orange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I caught it. I was like, whoa, I'm blind. Yeah. Another change that we but made hey. <laughs> come season two, another smart change that we made there, mm-hmm. I think, was uh, I, I actually had, I had some notes of my own hair-wise there as well. The Basically the same thing that yeah. I was just saying. I was like, let's not 
let's not do that again. That's uh, that was a little much for me. But it's interesting. A lot of people don't realize when it comes to TV series, you, especially with our show, because we went straight to series, we didn't Mm -hmm. have the pilot process. So Mm -hmm. normally when you make a TV show, you film the pilot and then you have six, 10 months before you start into full production on the show. So you have time to look at what you've done and make decisions and make choices and maybe change things. We went straight into series. So our continuity was our continuity and whatever we established is what we were stuck with for the first season. Yeah. And it took us a while to learn wardrobe wise, hair wise, makeup wise for, for all of us. Even I know Harry and Matt and everybody went through so many different iterations of, of trying to figure out what look we were going to live with for the next several years. And we figured Mm -hmm. it out, but you know, it's, it takes a little, takes a little settling into. Yeah. We had, uh, we had to fall before we learned to pick ourselves up. That's for sure. Indeed. Speaking of settling in, we, uh, we have this contrast between worlds, which breaks my heart every time because we have mm-hmm. happy Simon who's about to go into his brand new job and he's got this big gig and he's all successful and then we go back to the real world and Simon is dealing yeah. with the heaviness of all of this and it's this kind of heartbreaking conversation but with again it's this humor that the two of them have it's just it's really it is. great yeah even where this goes like so first of all I love that Simon got to that Alberto got to get in his like his serial killer mode this like dangerous Simon I was know. such a cool thing to watch um because he got to develop this like persona uh, this like Jeffrey Dahmer-esque persona that you know is this sort of serial killer and we got to see him like play in that world we actually Alberto got a lot of those opportunities and I wonder if we'd have to talk mm-hmm. to some more of the writers like I wonder how much of that because Taylor mentioned we just uh, we just spoke to Taylor Mallory, um, one of our wonderful writers who's been with us since season one, since before season one. But you'll have to listen to the episode to know what that means. Um, but she was talking about how you know by halfway through season one, they sort of knew who we were as actors and how we were developing these characters and would write to cater towards that. So I wonder how much of that yeah. was like, oh, we know Alberto can do anything. Let's give him like some more challenges, you know, let's give him like, we know that he can do this heavy lifting. So let's give him the weight to lift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is sort of the first opportunity that we got to, to see that. Also, I'm looking at this shot right now. Interesting. This, I wonder if I can, I wonder if this will show. If we look at this right here. So you see the shot and we've got internal yeah. affairs bad guy right here. Are these not production trucks back here? This is grip oh, truck. Yeah, it is, sure. right? This is, these oh are just, God. this is definitely grip truck. <laughs> I think this may be props. I don't know, but it's these are. electric? Yeah. These are, yeah. these are just trucks that we used Maybe in crafty? the show. Yeah. Love that. Oh, one of them might be crafty, craft services. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of, you know, needing just industrial New York scenery. We've got trucks all the time. Just that's park what them a set looks like. Let it, it looks go. like industrial New York. Mm-hmm. Um, does this take us so. Yeah, so this is this is one of the key elements. We see mm-hmm. Simon over and over again learning to control his vampire impulses. And, you know, whether he succeeds or fails is neither here nor there. But uh, thank goodness for werewolf reflexes in this mm-hmm. case. But it's, it's nice because it does allow us to tie up the storyline with Fisk, which I think our show is pretty good at for the most part, yeah. is not leaving these storylines hanging that would mm-hmm. be otherwise problematic for logic. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed, agreed, agreed. But that scene has taken us directly back to the Sealy Cord and the Portal, 
the uh, this is we don't really revisit this properly until the until season three. We just get this little scene between Jason Melion and we get to see for the first time this like antagonistic sort of relationship where like Jace finds him really irritating because he's so calm and so serene and so just like at peace with everything. And he finds that really annoying. And the more calm and the more serene he is, the more annoying Jace finds that. And this is a little sort of, this is, this is how we based like what we did in season three is it, this is sort of the start of that, like of that relationship, which I think is cool. Um, and then immediately after that, I actually have that written down in my notes. Oh, really? I have that written down in my notes. I was like, was this foreshadowing for the Jason Meliorn finale? Yeah. Because it is. It's that brilliant. There's these little relationships all throughout the show, like Jason Meliorn and Alec and Clary and, and you know, all of these little Simon and Jace, but that's a much bigger thing. Yeah. But, you know, there's all these elements where uh, these characters butt heads and it's continued throughout. And you have these little moments of bickering that often provide a lot of the humor on our show. And you yeah. you both were so brilliant at that, for, clearly from the jump, which is why they brought it back later on. So kudos mm. to you. Lots of fun. This is There's a few fun little book things that we get to see in this scene. So Clary goes to see Magnus after seeing this commercial to try and get some information, try and get some help, and see, you know, maybe she can figure out some information or figure out how to find this portal because Magnus knows portals. Magnus has cats in this world, which is something that we didn't get to bring in. Because in the books, um, I believe there's an institute cat named Church, and Magnus has a cat named Chairman Meow. Chairman Meow, yeah. And we didn't get to have those in the show because having animals on set is It's a fucking nightmare. To say the least. Like we did, you can say it the polite Midwestern way all you want. I worked with them. I worked with the 17 cats that they brought on that day, and it was a nightmare. Like <laughs> It was a nightmare because they're, they're super sweet and you want to pet them or whatever, but they just do what they want. Cats do what they want. Like it's really difficult to train cats. Yeah. So you just sort of put food yeah. like vaguely where you want them to be and hopefully they go over to where that food is, but they're not like dogs. You can't, you can't teach it to like sit, stay, bark, growl. Like you can't teach a cat to do any of that stuff. Or maybe you can, but I, the cats that we had didn't know how to do any of that. And they were a nightmare. Thank God we didn't have an institute cat because it would have been horrendous it, just having him around all the time. Yeah. And I love cats. I'm saying this just from yeah. like a working point of view. Mm-hmm. It would have been a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I had a cat as a kid that could jump through a hoop and would play fetch. Wow. But I think she was just an odd cat. It's pretty impressive. I mean, they can be taught, but um, I'll, maybe I'll uh, I'll teach Raja how to jump through a hoop next time I yeah, see you. Good him. luck. <laughs> no chance. No? No, absolutely no chance. I did teach her to sit. I got her to sit, which I was pretty impressed with myself, but that's that's it. We gotta we gotta mosey on. All right. My fault. Let's let's mosey on. So there's cats, and basically what she finds out is that Magnus's magic has gone dormant. Magnus is aware that it used to exist, obviously, because he's 800 years old. Mm -hmm. So he was around when all of the world shifted and changed. But his magic, he hasn't used it in so long, it's gone dormant. So he is... He has no idea. He's been living life in a way that he feels is, is as a fraud and as a con man, as it were, and doesn't know if he can help, but agrees just for the sake of maybe being able to reignite his magic. But they decide, you know, they find out where the portal is, and it's in the Institute, which is Valentine's tech headquarters, which is having a party tonight. How very fortuitous of huh. that to be the case. 
Also, I got to mimic Harry in this scene, which was fun. You did. I got to I got to do the little which has been gift so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just watched it. I Yeah. Like that that's been gift so many times. Um we do have a little scene between Alec and Lydia here which mm-hmm. oh which is the first time. So this is actually quite important. Okay. This scene in this scene Alec finds out that Jace has stolen either Jace or Clary or both have stolen the cup. Right. That they have the cup, which is what leads him to make the decision that he's making next. It doesn't come from nowhere. Right. This this very painful decision between the two of them. But I be- yeah, that does take us to the institute, no? It does. But what's what as you said, what's interesting about that scene is that, you know, he was Alec being the brother that he is, you really get to see how strong their bond is uh, between siblings mm-hmm. in this. He's willing to give over the mortal cup, which is something he's promised his parabatai he would keep secret and keep safe for his sister. And it's it's mm-hmm. those kind of relationships and those kind of loyalties that we see throughout the show that really make these characters so strong and so lovable. And, and you know, they're in dire straits most of the time. Tough choices, yeah. man. Also, I was wrong. This does not take us to the Institute. This takes us... <laughs> Actually, more neatly to the Simon serial killer scene, you get a you have uh, like your moment where Isabel nine one one. What does that mean? We'll find out later. But oh god, even just this shot. I'm going to screenshot this as well. This like where he was underlit and his face is all like sh- in shadow. Yeah. Well, that screenshot is. Cu- oh, you, can you not screenshot? No, it will. I think if it's on a streaming platform, it usually goes. Would black. you look at that? Yeah, it does. <laughs> The other thing I love about this scene is that they're already sort of bringing Simon into this sort of downworlder brotherhood, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At, in their little their critique of his, you know, they're they're giving him trouble about his performance and how he's, you know, yeah. almost as he's coming out of a body bag, having been shot a bajillion times. And it's it's right. nice to see Simon finding his family and finding his footing in mm-hmm. this world. And I, yeah, it's sort of the argument there is that this, this family, I sort of the thing that we were talking about a bit earlier with, with, um, Luke, like this family that was there before, it will always be there. Like there's no matter what it is that you go through, they will continually, uh, be there for you, whether you turn into a vampire or, you know, get an F on your SATs, mm-hmm. who knows? But you know, <laughs> Luke will always be there for Simon. Although I don't think Simon ever would have got an F. He doesn't strike me as that kind of kid. No. Although interestingly, there's an interesting parallel. It's funny that you bring that up because Clary tends to be the character that starts to bridge that gap between the downworlders and the shadow hunters in questioning the the sort of stigmas that have been there forever. And Simon becomes that character between the downworld factions because mm-hmm. he walks right into Jade Wolf and they're ready to kill him. But because of Luke, he's fine. And it and then he goes back to the vampires. And it's it's this thing that we're starting to see this generation of you know downworlders and shadow hunters doing is breaking those boundaries and questioning mm-hmm. why everything has been so separated for so many centuries yeah absolutely (laughs) 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. The next, the next thing that we sort of come up to is, uh, is you and Emerald. Do you want to talk about this one? Oh, yeah. So there's a really, really sweet scene between Clary and Izzy, which sort of mimics a scene that we saw in episode four, where Izzy was helping Clary get ready to go to the hardtail downroller bar. We see the opposite in this scene, where Clary is helping Izzy get ready for this party, and Izzy shows up with a black eye, and she's just going on and on and on with this whole monologue. And Clary, it's it's interesting to to kind of track it in this episode. And I'm not exactly sure what my trackers or kind of how I measured it out in, because it's been so many years, but the amount that Clary, the percentage of which Clary is kind of existing in this world. In this scene, I don't actually know. I think she's tending more toward the Clary from the alternate universe because she just seems to accept and not be bothered by anything that's going on. But it's, it's sort of a little bit of foreshadowing, I think. And it's, it's something that's so lovely about our show is that the women are often, they're, they're very rarely pitted against each other. And even when they are at odds, Mm -hmm. they're at odds for a reason, but it, it never gets catty. And that's what I've always appreciated about the way that our female relationships were written. And you start to see this, this sort of sisterly bond between Clary and Isabel, even in an alternate universe that, you know, down the road leads to many more things that people will get very excited about. So I'll leave it at that. TBD. And does that take us into the party? It sure does. Yes. 
We are we are there. We we actually we I think we got sent all of this equipment, didn't we? We got sent all of this yeah. Alice through the looking glass stuff, like the photo mm-hmm. booth and all of this and and set deck had to put it in to the institute somewhere. Yeah. Basically, I remember it was a whole big thing, like a truck arrived from Disney where they sent these photo booths Mm. and mushrooms and all these set pieces. And I think the hats came too with it. And we had to sort of incorporate all of this into, by the way, Alan Van Sprang is a hat man, I have to say. He needs to wear a top hat He looks good in a hat. I agree. He looks great. He looks good in a hat. I really, I really appreciate it. But we had so much fun. Right? Yeah, this was fun all round. This was the first yeah. time that it that it really like because they're especially in this scene for the rest of us, not so much for you, but for the rest of us, there are no stakes in this. This is just like this is just fun like life. We just get to be at this party and have a good time. Um so this scene especially where we're all just sort of playing and talking with each other and Simon and Jace are best friends, which is fucking cute. Snap cute as shit. <laughs> I know. That's where that was born. That's that's like yeah. that is how Alberto and I high five still to this day. And yeah. that is where and I think Alberto and Tessa do it now. I think that's how they high five that way as well. And this day when we filmed this scene, that's how that high five was born. The like thing. That's where it came from. I love that. Oh, this was fun. I remember doing this. Jace meets Valentine for the first time. You know, the meeting the father of the girlfriend. That's what I was moment. Say. Is that what you were gonna talk about? It's adorable. It's absolutely adorable seeing Jace nervous like that. Yeah, it's fun. And again, it's this nice, it's this nice thing with Alan where like Alan's such a consummate pro that I know like the lines weren't written that way. Like I can fumble about with the lines a little. And I know that Alan knows what's going on. And I know that he's not gonna like, did you just fuck up the line? I'm like, no, I like I'm intentionally playing with it to because he's nervous and whatever. And he just cont- he just plowed on through it and that's that's one of the fun things about working with so many people who are so good at their job is like you know if you throw them something that they're going to throw something back at you and vice versa which is really cool so this was yeah this was a really fun thing to do yeah and you know it's nice because we get to see all of these really sweet moments between you know simon and clary and simon and isabel and jason simon and even Mm -hmm. even all of these little foreshadowing moments that are really fantastic. And also, we get to see one of my favorite Malik alternate universe moments where they parallel. There's there's a couple of moments that they parallel that have already happened in the regular universe and they they do this lovely role reversal and it's so brilliantly yeah. done as everything is with Harry and Matt, but it's it's so subtle and if I mean our our the shadow fam catches it because the shadow fam catches everything but there are these little subtle things that that are just so so wonderfully done in that oh goodness oh and it, it, correct me if I'm wrong does this cut back and forth into Alex's decision making between the fight in the Sealy world and Alex's decision making and the oh, room yeah, yeah. uh there's like sort of three scenes all happening to converge to one like thing that all happens at the same time. So yeah, we have Jade and I have this this fight scene, which was again really cool to do because Jade, this is that Jade didn't really have a huge amount of experience with this, but was so good <sighs> at, at just taking it on. And he he made him he, he looked like an absolute natural, which was great. Um, yeah, and this was did. really yeah, it was really good fun to do a see you know a scene fight scenes are a bit like dances. Like every every partner you have is going to dance a slightly different way. So it's really interesting yep. to be able to to dance with somebody else because you get to you get to sort of experience a different language kind of which is really cool. 
Um, so this was another one that we got to experience there. Unfortunately, tied in with Alec making this decision that he's going to use his R rune to track me, which causes Jace and Alec a significant amount of pain. Came at the worst possible yeah. time for Jace. Yeah. And not only that, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't it permanently weaken the parabatai bond or at least for a time weaken the bond that you guys uh, it, have as yeah. well? Yeah. It says that they'll weaken it. But then when after sort of, I think the conversation we have in episode 12, it's just the bond as it is, as the sort of metaphysical thing rather than the physical connection is sort of repaired. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it ended up being fully permanent. I don't think so. I'd like to say that by sort of episode three of season two, we're back to fighting form, the two of us. I'm, I think so as well. I, th- I guess what I was getting at is the weight of that decision and, and sort of the, the- yeah, the, the drastic level of the choice. Totally. Um, yeah. and yes, it is, it is a drastic choice for him to make to, to sort of, as it were, chase Jace down this rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, wow, Dom, you've been spending too much time with me. You're making puns now. I know. <laughs> Here's something interesting I, that I remember yeah. from this. So we're, we're sort of now at the place where Jason, Clary are dancing and Harry comes over and has to sort of break them out of their reverie. Um, and there's something that Harry did that I remember I had never thought about. And it seemingly it sort of slipped other people's minds as well. And I was just like, wow, this is, it's so cool and so professional that you've thought about this to think this way. He, when he's doing the, uh, the thing and he's showing you the different things from the shadow world, mm-hmm. I remember him saying, doesn't the focal point need to be directly above my hand as opposed to like deeper in the distance? Cause I think the focal point was deeper in the distance, but the image that's going to be in focus is going to be obviously a later put into place CGI image. And Harry was like, doesn't, so wouldn't it make sense for the focus point? the focus point needs to be the hand. Otherwise nothing else is going to make sense depth wise. And I remember just being like, wow, I not in a million years would have thought of that pre him having that conversation. And now it's one of those pieces that's in there, but just again, another nod to how friggin' amazing Harry is. I mean, that's always true, but that's brilliant. I actually had forgotten that. And that's mm. what a nugget. What a nugget of info. What a little nugget. But then speaking of that, Clary again runs off and goes, hey, Chase, uh, gotta go. Sorry, bye. Um, bye. Yeah. Which leads to the chase. He will, yes. he chases her down. He, you, you sort of head off with Magnus down to the basement. And what Jace sees is a uh, handsome man take his girlfriend down into the basement. No es bueno. Yeah. Um, pre the pre the following you down the stairs we have this cool cool scene with alberto that we were sort of talking about earlier where the when he is released from the body bag and he gets sort of chastised for overacting which is fun (laughs) ah well let the dead boy live a little yeah right and i think it's sort of a fun like this is this is like as we've been alluding to in this episode, the first sort of werewolves, vampires bonding moment, mm-hmm. you know, where even Alaric's a little yeah. like, mm, yeah, you kind of did good. Like you saved our ass there a little. Okay, great. Cool. We yeah. still don't like you f- because of the history I of it. I guess you but can have free Mushu for life. Yeah, we kind of like you now, um, which is a good thing. So it also, it previously, the demon has made its way into 
this new universe. There's no runes, there's no swords. This universe is completely defenseless from this a Ravenna demon, right? So a shape-shifting mm-hmm. demon. Like you think about the kind of havoc <gasps> that this could cause. Oh my God, you're right. In this world, it is, right? Like this is a shape-shifter yeah. demon. This could, have, this could have been like absolute chaos were he not met with like Clary. Wow. Also, something that happens during the fight, because, uh, you know, we encounter the demon, Clary tries mm-hmm. to defend herself as best she can or defend Magnus and Jace as best she can. Um, Jace very smartly cuts back, to the, cuts back to the woods. Jace, in our regular universe, very smartly goes, you made a promise, Seely. Let me in. It's time. And so you dive in, comforting Jace, going, oh, thank God, you're here. Yeah. <laughs> you're not here useless anymore. Let's fight this demon. I do. I like that there's this sort of this uh, disdain that Jace has for himself in this other universe. Like when he looks down, he's like, what <laughs> the fuck am I wearing? Like, what is this shit? Um, which I thought was kind of a fun, like, he he doesn't, he sort of has this like, this uh this sort of boredom or this like whatever this blase towards mundanes to the extent that it's not just simon it's actually himself when he sees himself as a mundane he's like mm, yeah nope, don't like you uh but yeah. that's kind of fun well and equally clary's like oh thank god you're here i was so sick of comforting you you scared yeah. puppy let's go let's go get something done but then we fight the demon and interestingly uh this basement that we're fighting in is the same basement that mm-hmm. uh we had dead simon in same spot in our soundstage. So Correct. it was just and I redressed. Think, I think quite a few more places. I think this is, it's like a fairly mm. well used section of our set. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Just utility creepy basement. We need a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's an element to the Ravener Demon that I didn't, I don't think we've seen before. And I don't nope. remember ever seeing it. Yes. The little scorpion yeah. tail thingy, right? Yeah. That's the only time never we seen see before, that. never seen again. It's just it just happens. And I don't even think anyone knew when we were filming exactly how it was going to present. Like we didn't know what this thing was, really. It was just no. like no. Th- they were just like Jace gets got in the neck. And we're like what by what? What do you mean? Like is it is it sharp? Is it blunt? Do, is it like do I get hit with like a bat? It, what does it feel like? Um, and the word stinger kept coming up. Like you're going to get got with a stinger. And I was like, okay, cool. I guess I get to see it when everyone else does, when it's finished, (laughs) when I'll find out what happens here. Goodness. So, oh, so then this is, as we mentioned before, we tell Magnus to destroy the portal, which Mm -hmm. for those who've seen the series in season three, episode 20, there's a parallel to this, which I don't know if it was on purpose on either end. But I think it's interesting that Magnus... Oh, I wonder. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder. Because I don't want to spoil it, it in, but... No, yeah, we shouldn't. We should talk about this later on. But yes, I. it is interesting. I wonder. Oh, Harry doing his thing again. Wow. I get so sidetracked when he starts, like, moving because it's such a aesthetically pleasing thing to watch. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> If I hope that we, this is the thing that we get to post, is like the little bit of video that we get to post. We're talking about Harry moving and Kat just like fucking attacks her mic and headbutts it. You <laughs> lunatic. Wow. Uh, and this is why Harry is, is this skilled one. Special breed. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, comic relief. It's a service I provide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so this takes us through. Magnus opens up the portal, and we step through into, unfortunately... Oh, there's actually a scene with Alec and Izzy here, a really beautiful brother-sister scene, which is really lovely. There's so many... Th this is the thing with... Over the course of these few episodes, Jason and Clary are off doing their own thing, and you really get to see the Lightwoods, and you get to see the family and their bond. But what that leads to is me not remembering the sequence of which conversation, because we didn't shoot it. We weren't there. They. He's taught... He's actually telling her that he didn't get the cut back, that he... That Lydia has no choice but to go through with the trial. That's what he's saying... And oh, right. she is comforting him. She is saying it's okay to him. Like, I know you tried. Which, like you say, is this beautiful thing between the two of them. This, this like, brotherly, sisterly thing where they just sort of take care of each other, which is really lovely. Yeah. Well, and Isabel is such a great character in that way. She is, even though she is the, you know, extremely glamorous one and often the the more flashy of the two visually. Mm -hmm. Isabel as a character is such a strong, stoic, steady force throughout the, mm -hmm. the story. And I think it's such a fascinating kind of dichotomy in that character. Mm -hmm. um, which does bring us very neatly to the sort of final scene in this episode. Clary and Jace yeah. finally end up in uh, Chernobyl. Ah, uh, Chernobyl. Runes aren't working. That's mm. a problem. But we know somewhere has to be Clary's father, right? Has to be Clary's father. Yeah. But we also know that Seelys take tangle paths whichever way they go. So who do we find? We find the one and only Michael Wayland. Played by Adam J. Harrington. Which, Dom, I have to say... Your performance in this scene is absolutely beautiful. Thanks. And there's there's so much. Uh, truly, I just rewatching it. It reminded me uh, uh, how fantastic your work is in this. It's just not that it's not always great, but there's such a nuanced vulnerability and and so many different things you can just literally see them going through behind your eyes and it's just it's heartbreaking and it's beautiful and it's such a great way to end this episode and it's not a color we see out of jace very often so it's you know kudos to you for for making the most of that thanks yeah i the whole thing with jace that i worked on really hard was if you're the sort of person that you've been told your entire life that emotions are not good for you, that you shouldn't be sad, you shouldn't be happy, you shouldn't be vulnerable, then when it does happen, what I sort of resolved with when it does happen is you don't know how to experience those emotions correctly. So you experience mm -hmm. them like a child. You experience them, and that's, this is, and there are a couple of other times where this happens, like the second half of season two, when so it must be mm -hmm. episode 11 or episode 12 of season two where alec finds jace on the roof um and we I, matt and i ended up calling it like little boy crying like that's what it what i wanted it to look like i wanted it to look like a little boy like a little lost 10 year old boy who didn't know what to do with these emotions they're they're flowing through yeah. him and they suck but he didn't know where to where to put them um so he's just this sort of entirely emotionally vulnerable creature so that's how the scene ended up. Um, and also matched with, you know, the powerhouse of Adam is so good and so strong and such yeah. a, a wonderful sort of force to have both on screen and then on set as well, which interestingly, 
Um, we get to tease, I have the information here somewhere. I believe it's episode 11. We get to talk about the uh, episode 11 guest that we have coming in, which is, in fact, if you hadn't figured it out already, is going to be Adam J. Harrington, which is really wonderful. We're Adam very, J. very excited uh, for you guys to listen to him and hear what he has to say, because he's, I believe, I will be, well, I don't know what order we're going to end up doing this in, but I would imagine one right. of our first guest stars that we have come on the podcast and talk about their experience sort of joining a new set and whatever. Yeah. And, and again, this happens so often on our show. We had these folks come in like Adam who were absolutely incredible, but we only had them for one episode. And it's such, it's, it's a wonderful thing to have so many, you know, someone who is there for one episode be so brilliant, but it's sort of heartbreaking in the same sense Mm -hmm. because we only get them for such a short period of time. But, uh, right. You know, it's it's lovely that that they're willing to come on the podcast and hang out and and relive it with us a little yeah. bit. Yeah, um, absolutely. And more, you know, one of the great things about being able to bring guests on is we can talk about all of the different things they're up up for and and they're doing and what they've been doing with their lives uh, post Shadowhunters. So, all now? you video game fans, <laughs> be sure to tune in. That's all I'm going to say. Ooh. So, Dom, something I wanted to bring up because it's it's such a huge element in the show and it's played a lot in this episode, is is the Parabatai bond. And mm-hmm. if you can speak on this a little bit, because it's you and Matt worked on this so much and and sort of created it and established it in and of yourselves. But it's really kind of become this push and pull and this huge element that's gone through so much. So, you know, t- tell us a little bit about what you and Matt did to, to kind of create that. Um, yeah, I mean, we, so we would sort of constantly talk about at, the, at what point, you know, or I suppose to what extent we can feel each other um, and our emotions and how much that impacts us and so on and so forth. And we ha- we did have this like drama in season one and then come season two, it's there, there are still sort of disagreements that happen, but they're more to protect the other one. Whenever there's this, this higher mm-hmm. stake, it's like, no, you can't do this because you're going to get yourself killed. And I don't want that for you, you know, um, and these sacrifices that get made are sort of more heartbreaking because they are leaving behind sort of their soulmate in that. And I think sort of the key thing that I always landed on with this relationship is, I guess in the same way as with human beings, like you don't really get angry at people that you don't know. You don't really get upset with people you don't know because you don't care. Like you don't know who those people are. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're Mm -hmm. not really worth your anger. And if it is, it's very fleeting. Now the people in your life that you do care about that you, uh, or, or, uh, you know, interact with on a daily basis or who are, who are sort of standing structure in your life, they do hold more control over your emotions. And I think once you, once you exacerbate that to the highest possible level of not only does this person have control of my emotions, but can sense mine and I can sense theirs. And we're entirely sort of, uh, connected, you know, spiritually connected, there is no higher stake than that. So when something does go wrong or when something is upsetting or, um, or, 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 you know, passionate in any way, shape or form, the response to that is, is times a thousand because they're so emotionally connected to each other. And that's, I think the big, the big thing that we sort of were, were playing with, with this relationship and why the stakes are so high. So we'll see these like ups and downs sort of throughout the rest of the, the show. But I think from here on out, this is the big like separation of the two. And once they're back together, mm-hmm. I don't think they really separate again. 
No, I think you're right. And 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 now, Dom, without further ado, mm. that brings us to the end. It does. Of episode 10. Yeah. We have inverted the world and now we're back. And we're back. dead parents arise and all kinds what of craziness is, I mean, is about there's to happen. So much happening. We have three more episodes left of season one. What yeah. happens in these next three episodes is so exciting and I can't <laughs> wait to go through it again. Um uh, I have it queued up because we're gonna roll right into recording the next one. So it's yeah. gonna look weird that I'm dressed exactly the same, but this is why, because I am gonna be recording yeah. it right now. I, it's not that Welcome I don't, I only have one shirt. I have several shirts. I am just today <laughs> wearing the shirt and I'm gonna be doing one more than one. Dom has many shirts. He does do his laundry, I nobody do. worry. I do. I just plumbed in a washing machine for the first time in my life. I got a washer dryer, a washer and dryer at my new house. Ooh. And I thought it was going to be a disaster because I don't know what I'm doing. It actually was fairly simple. Um, he says, not looking over to where the washer dryer is. Maybe it's flooding. I don't know. But so far, so good. Well, if your um, experience as a barista has anything to do with it, I might <sighs> just go check on it at some yeah, point. Yeah, might be worth a little look. Just, just for insurance purposes. But... I'm so excited. This next episode, we get to talk about the Hearn. Mm -hmm. We have uh, lots of demons. Mm -hmm. We have more buddy cop downworlder training. Yeah. We have we have our a silhouette huge demon dancers. Bomb of information at the end of the episode. Yeah. Remember those guys, the window dancers? I do. They were so cool. And we also have is the trial in this? Yeah, we have the trial. Mm hmm. Isabel's trial is in the next episode. We get to meet the Inquisitor for the first time. We do. And the biggest bomb of information, perhaps, of the entire season. Yeah. Um, thank you, as always, everyone, for listening, for being a part of our little show here and our little show that was on TV. And thank you for being here with us. And now we're in your ears. Thank you so much for returning to the shadows, for coming into the fray, and for now we'll bid you Herondale and farewell. Return to the Shadows is hosted and executive produced by me, Dominic Sherwood, and Catherine McNamara. Our executive producer is Ling Lee. Our senior producers are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia. And our producers are Hannah Harris and Kristin Vermilion. Original music by Alex Kinsey, performed by Alex Kinsey and Catherine McNamara. And the episode was mixed by Seth Alansky. Make sure you subscribe to Return to the Shadows wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to drop us a review. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.